0: Amen. Maybe may be seated. I want to do something a little different than what we normally do. Is that okay? Okay, okay. We're going to do it anyway, so hopefully it'll be okay. I just, you know, feel like there's people in the sanctuary today that might need prayer. Um, if you um, are hurting or you know somebody hurting, and you need prayer, we're not going to um, bring you up, but we're going to have you raise your hand. And I want the people around you to pray for you to make sure you don't, you know, push them, lay hands on them, shake them, do all that kind of stuff. But we're just going to take a little time in prayer. And, and also I'd let you know that Irwin Cloud passed away this week, if you know him. And uh, so pray for the family as we pray. And we're just going to be praying. So if you're in need of prayer this morning. Just raise your hand, and we want to pray for you as a body, as a church, my friend right here. Amen. Go ahead. Just leave your hand up. Now, you see the hands up? I want you that are close by just, you know, you can put your hand on the shoulder lightly, but just pray for them. We're going to take a little time right now and pray for these people with their hands up, okay? Amen. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. Lord, though we are the body, we do hurt sometimes, and we need you, Father. We might need jobs. We might need uh, help. We might need be hurting emotionally, or whatever it might be, Father God. I just pray for every person that, laid, that lift their hands up this morning, that you would touch them in a very special way today, Lord God. God, we, we care about uh, the loss, but we care about... The one, two, the people that are of the fold, Father. So we just pray, Lord, that you will meet every need, Father God. You would release them. You would help them. If there's finances, God, just bless their finances. If it's a job, just give them a job. Lord, you're, you're able to open up doors, Father. God, you're able to just touch in relationships and hurts and wants and needs, Father. You say cast all your cares upon you because you care for us. So we cast our cares upon you. We thank you for our our family, and we just join together today and pray. We pray for the clouds. We pray for their family, Lord, as they go through this very difficult time, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that your hand is on their lives, and you're with them even now. So just bless their family and just help them through this whole process, God. Be with them every moment, every minute, every hour, and every day. And we just give you the praise, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody doing okay? All right. You know, we've been doing a series on um, Nehemiah, and I'm going to just recap it a little bit, and then we're going to start a series next week. And it will... Be on something that has to do with prayer. You know, Christians like to do that, don't they? So maybe they don't like to, but they know they need to, huh? Amen. There's a necessity there. I was going to use this thing, but the slope doesn't work on there. But, and I'm going to use this chair. Be patient with me, okay? Okay. We got her. Um, we, we, we don't like to lose momentum in this place because the momentum is very important, isn't it? Amen, amen. So I'm going to right here. All right, so a recap of Nehemiah. First of all, you know, we've been doing Nehemiah for several weeks, and um, it also it's on the podcast if you missed it. One thing I noticed, though, is it's kind of difficult a little bit to do a, a, um, a series, especially if it's more than three or four, because a lot of times it's hard to get people to come to church more than three or four times in, in a row, because, you know, sometimes it's necessary, sometimes, you know, hey, those fish are biting, you know, we got to go hunting, or, you know, hey, you just got to take a day to relax. I don't have a problem with that. But if you do do that, you could go on the podcast and you could get connected and figure it out. But um, when we started the book of um, Nehemiah, first of all, we talked about um, Ezra. You cannot separate Nehemiah from Ezra. Actually, in the, in the Old Testament, when the, the Jewish um, wrote these scriptures, when these scriptures were written, they were actually connected because Ezra is a, is a restorer of the temple and Nehemiah was a restorer of the wall. So we got to worry about the temple first, so we talked about that. And then Nehemiah, in chapter 1, we talked about um, how he, you know, his friends came and told him the condition of the wall. He noticed, the, he, he took heart to it. He just didn't say, oh, that's bad, that's, you know, a sad thing, and I'm going to, you know, bless you as I go and, you know, give the cup to the king, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hang out and do my life the normal way. But in, instead, he fasted for a period of time, He waited on God, and God gave him favor, and he did something about it. And then so he decided he was going to build the wall. When he did that, uh, he needed volunteers, didn't he? Yep, because you can't build a wall by yourself. I mean, you can, but guess how long it's going to take? Yeah, more than likely, you will not see it completed. But all our hands working together in unity, it gets done. And then, uh, you know, I talked about how Jesus... Was the greatest volunteer? He said, "No man takes my life, but I lay it down." He laid his life down for us so that we can, uh, you know, have eternal life. So we could build the church and do the things that God's called us to be. So it took it took that, and it also took uh, working in unity. You know, unity is a is a is a cool thing if you can get it going. And you know, I love when people work in unity. You know, sometimes. Like even say, like in basketball, if you got a bunch of stars, like I remember when uh, Michael Jordan first started uh, playing, he was scoring like 50, 60 points a game, and they'd still lose. I was like, man, what good is that? You know, doing 60 points a game, you're still losing. But when the team started acting as a team and everybody took their role, they started winning. Before you know it, they started winning championships. But they had to get to that place of unity. And that, that's the only way we're going to accomplish this task with God is through unity. And then they had a mind to work. Uh, you know, work is not a dirty word, right? It's all right to work, trabajar. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good. And so they had a mind to work. And so, and I believe that that was because God put them uh, in their spirit to work, and it gave them a desire. And as you find the gift that you're in and where you're working, you will, you'll, it'll be easy to work, and you'll have that mind to work. But not only did they have a mind to work, but they had a, um, they had to put on their armor too because. Anytime you do the kingdom work, what happens? There's going to be all kinds of adversity, isn't there? Nobody's happy in the kingdom of darkness when we do some wonderful things for the kingdom of God. Nobody's happy. So there's going to be, they need to put their armor on. We talked about the armor and Ephesians chapter 6, how they put the armor on. And then we talked about the fear of the Lord. You know, the fear of the Lord, how healthy it is and what we need to do as we serve because nehemiah was doing things and these people started doing things and he said should not we walk in the fear of the lord as we do this and shouldn't we respect and honor god and so they did that and that helped them accomplish uh where they were done and then actually when they finally built the wall the bible says that they perceived this work was wrought of god because because um the miraculous timing that they did and then we found out that after they built the wall and they started reading the word that Um, They uh, were sharing the word, and they found out that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? The joy of the Lord it's your strength. It's not your circumstances. It's not where, you know, uh, if your bills are paid. It's not if uh, you're not physically in a trial. It might not be, um, you know, it might be a rainy day. But joy, it doesn't depend on our circumstance. It depends on our relationship with God and the Spirit of God being in our life. And we thank the Lord for the joy of the Lord. So today I'm going to talk about, in closing, for the Nehemiah series. Lord willing, we'll get through it today. I think we will. Um, We're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 4 and 5. It says, before this, Elisha, the priest, had been in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated with Tobiah. Some translation says he was a relative of Tobiah. And you, you all remember Tobiah? Tobiah was one of the ones with Sanballat that was mocking and coming against Nehemiah the whole time, trying to bring distractions. They even paid profits to prophesy false lies, try to get them to gatherings, to meetings, anything they could do to stop them from the work. And they even talked about if you do build this wall, the fox will go on it and it'll just fall down and it just won't be, it'll be useless. But the whole time he was persecuting Nehemiah and God's people. Because you know what? There's always gonna be some haters out there. Haters. Why are y'all hating on us? Not not y'all. No. I said y'all, I didn't mean y'all. Okay. Don't don't be hate don't be saying I'm saying y'all haters, because I know you love us. Lovers of God, lovers of people. Amen? And we want to make disciples. But there's always going to be some haters out there for some reason. I don't know why. Like if you, if you all of a sudden said, hey, I'm going on a diet. You were like 600 pounds. And all of a sudden you lost 300 pounds. Somebody would be hating on you. Like, man, now your pants are baggy. Come on now. Let's celebrate. Celebrate. The Bible says rejoice them that rejoice. Celebrate. So anyway, Tobiah was a hater. But Elisha. He was a priest, and he was in charge of the storeroom of the house of God. He was closely associated with Tobiah, and he provided with him a large room formerly used to store and gain offerings and incense in the temple, uh, and the temple articles, also the tithes of the grain and the new wine and the old olive prescribed for the Levites, uh, musicians and gatekeepers as well. As contribution to the priest. Man, he, he took charge of a lot of stuff, didn't he? And he emptied this room and gave it to Tobiah. And so in verse 6 it says this But while all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem for the 32nd year of. Um, somebody wanna say that name for me? Very good. I'll give you the mic, and we record that one. I keep on saying it every once in a while, I'll say it right, but then I'll be like, okay, you know who it is. He's the king. And so he, he was with the king at that time, and it says the king of Babylon, and I returned to, um, f- uh, returned to the king, and sometime later I asked for permission and came back to Jerusalem. He learned about the evil things, a have done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. He said, and look at this, verse 8. He said that I was greatly displeased and threw Tobiah household goods out the room and I gave orders to purify the room and then I put back into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and incense. Now, when, when um, Nehemiah seen this, it says that he was, he was greatly displeased. That's probably putting it kindly. He was kind of, you know, some people might say he was ticked off. He was mad. He was angry. Because just think about it. all this process of going through, and somehow when he left, he came back. Elishabeth cleaned out a house, a, a storage room of God, and let tobiah back in like how in the world could this happen how can it happen a couple ways one the process of time If we don't guard our hearts if we don't be very careful we could get lax so we can let those things that were once enemies crawl back into our space into our temple and he got mad he was so mad that he kicked about he probably just said he, he probably like okay here you go bro Kicked them out," says. "You're out of here. You're gone, done." It's like sort of like when the refs, you know, kick the people out for um, technical, and he's like, "Like they don't even look back. You just out of there. They don't even question it." But he was mad. He was mad. And then I think about, you know, because because what happened is that they let something unsacred get back into your sacred things. Now, anytime we let things that are unsacred or things that are not of God get back into our temple, other good things have to move out. Notice, he said this. Um, originally, he said that he took away You know, the incense, he took away the equipment. He was like uh, moving all this stuff out of the house to let Tobiah back in. Anytime we compromise or anytime we grow lax in our walk with God, we're subject to letting things come in and replace and the other good things go away because they can't contain. Light and darkness don't hang out together. You ever notice that? doesn't matter how dark it is. If you turn a light on, it's shedding some of that darkness out. But if you let total darkness comes in, the light will be gone. It just can't hang out. Light doesn't hang out with darkness. Now I think about um, uh, I, I use that sort of like a spiritual thing of art of an idol. He let the idol of Tobiah come back, and and you know he might have one of the reasons why he might have let him in because Elisha's ship, his name means restorer of God. He's like, oh, I'm gonna restore him, and I think it's good to restore people if you do it in the order of God's order. And then Tobiah, his name means God's goodness. I'm restoring God's goodness, and I'm going to put him back in the storehouse. And, and, and Nehemiah said, no, that's out of order. I don't care if your name means Jehovah Jireh, you ain't going to be provided today. You're going to be out the door. Because what you're doing is you're, you're compromising God's affection, his perfect plan, somewhere along the line, and you let this brother back in. And I think about, and, and I like where um, Nehemiah got mad. And I think that sometimes it's okay to get mad. Did you know that? Did you know the Bible says be angry? And sin not, but be angry. Sometimes we let things go by so easily, like, oh, that's okay. That's just the way of time. I just accept that. I don't want to be aggressive. I don't want to be judging people. Sometimes you just need to get angry when it comes to holding our integrity, our righteousness, and our godliness, sometimes we just have to put the foot down. Amen. And, and that's what uh, Nehemiah did with him. And see, I think about in Paul, when I thought about that, how Paul, he was in Athens. And see, in Athens, look at um, uh, the next slide with Paul. See if, I'm, see if I'm in order. Look, keep yourself from idols neglect not the temple, and no idol worship. Now I'm going to get a little clearer on the idol worship because you know what, none of us are going to go into a place that I know of, I hope none of you are. If you are, you can come after the altar afterwards and pray and we'll pray for you, it's okay. If you have a problem there. But I think the majority of us are not going to bow down to a statue or an engraving image And worship it. Am I right? Amen? Go ahead, just shake your head. I'm not doing it. Mm -mm, No way. You'll never catch me worshiping a statue. You won't catch me worshiping a carbon image. Because that's one of the greatest commandments that God put in front. Do not worship idols. But Paul, while he's in Athens, Athens, he says this. Now Paul waited for them in Athens. His spirit was provoked. You know what it means when you get provoked? We know when you you provoke a kid long enough, guess what's going to happen? He'll be crying and all kinds of trouble's going to go because somebody's poking at him. Well, Paul seen these idols and seen this town filled with idolatry, and it provoked him. It made him mad. It made him anger. And it says this. It says that he was provoked. One translation says he was in greatly distress. NIV says greatly distressed. The Amplified says he was greatly angered. He was mad. He was like, I'm mad. We're serving a God, because look, because he's serving a God that was resurrected, that has life and has breath and it says in in the same chapter it says in him we live and move and have our very being and these people are worshiping things that are dead that cannot answer that cannot qu- cannot give you help they're never a resource of resources they're just a dead thing so it, it bothered him he could have just said oh that's just their culture they do, we got to understand that it's okay to worship that log I mean, it is a pretty carving, But he said, no, something inside him, something inside his spirit provoked him. Something stirred him up inside his heart. And it says this. it's provoked him when he saw the city was given over to idols. I was, um, uh, went to um, India. Anybody ever been to India? They have something like, I don't know, how many thousands of idols? three million three million gods man we got god the father the son and the holy ghost that's good enough for me three million if you ride in their cab along their dash they'll have like 10 20 different little idols for different areas of their life you go anywhere there's an idol there there's an idol there and they're worshiping idols and and you could get you when i was there i was like whoa this is crazy and you know suicide is very high in india they actually have, the, the, in the, the historical monuments, they block them off now because too many people, the high ones, will jump off and kill themselves. They even have an elect. Do not do the evil sin of killing yourself. Because when you worship idols, when you put things in your heart that are not of God, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to experience the joy of the Lord. You're going to experience sorrow. You're going to experience depression. And ultimately, the enemy wants to kill us in that area. So Paul stood in the midst of Arapagos and said, Men of Athens, I perceive in all things you are very religious. Some translation says you're very superstitious. You have a lot of different beliefs. He goes, Man, I'm checking this out. You guys are all looking for something. Because you know what? The world is looking for something. They are hungry. They want to worship. That's why there's a million idols out there. Because something inside them says, I need to worship. But it fails anytime they don't worship the one and true God. Amen. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the Father seeks such to do that. And it says, he says, that they, they worshiped, you're very religious. For I was passing through considering the object of your worship, and I found the altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Some believe that it was like a, a meteorite fell to the ground and it was really tall and it had some representations of one of their gods. And So they're like, man, we, we found the real God. We found the one. I mean, look at it standing there. It ain't, it ain't talking, it ain't answering, it ain't doing nothing, but we're going to worship it anyway because we think that's what we need to do because inside us, there's a place in us that needs to worship. Hallelujah. Therefore, one of you worship." He says, therefore, the one you worship, he says, the unknown God, to the unknown God, therefore, the one who you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And you know what he preached to him? He preached Jesus Christ, him crucified, and him rose from the dead. And revival started coming to that town because he preached about the living God. But in the meantime, he was provoked and he did something with his anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. I remember, um, I'm going to try and tell you a story to keep the names unknown. You'll probably figure it out in some ways, but I'm going to keep it unknown because it is being recorded and I, it, that it might not, you know, what do you say to, for those uh, things, that it might not injure somebody or something? I don't know how you say it, but here's a story, and it's a true story. My, I had a person in the family. I almost gave it away already. Hey, bro, come on, Andrew, help me out, Lord. I had a person in the family who um, was going to go to Afghanistan, right? And so he's going to have a going-away party, and they're going to have it at this restaurant that they have a bunch of little girls with short little pants, and they dance on their thing, and it is not an adult place, but that's their entertainment. Some, and, they're, and they're famous for their chicken wings. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Don't tell me, but raise your hand if you think you know who I'm talking about. Okay. So I don't want to get sued or nothing, you know what I mean? And I said, there's no way I'm going to that. Because I live righteously, I live godly in this present world. I'm no way going to do that. But this person said, but it's family, my kids will be there you got to come. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go there. I'm not going there. But then I thought, what if they go to Afghanistan, and I didn't go, and then they get hurt, where would I be? So I said, Lord, protect me as I go to this place. And so I went there to this place, and while I was there, I ordered a salad, and I seen all these waitresses and things, they're dancing, doing crazy stuff with the babies. He said the babies were there. They were there, but so are some kids that should be dressed way better, not acting kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so I just ordered a salad, paid my respects, and that salad, man, I was eating it as fast as I can because I was trying to get out of there. And I said, okay. God bless you guys. You know, I showed myself. Blessings on you. Call me if you need me or anything, but I'm out of there. When I walked out of the door, I was so mad. I was mad. Anybody see training day? Remember what he said? I'm keep come. <laughs> I was picked. I was mad. Man, it w- and you know, it felt kind of good because when you're mad, The adrenaline, anybody get mad? The adrenaline, all of a sudden you have energy. I felt like I could whoop anybody. I was like, how dare they put me through that? I was ready to hop in my car, peel out through the parking lot, do about 10 circles of, I was mad. They provoked me. I was ticked off. First of all, the kids were brought in that situation, and you talked me into going there. But I still would have done it for the love of the family. But I was mad. Woo! I was mad. And it provoked me to pray. It provoked me to seek God. And let me tell you something about that. Maybe a month or two later, I went back driving by that same restaurant, guess what? It was closed down. Closed down, and it's never been brought up again. Come on now. Sometimes we just got to get mad at sin. Sometimes we got to just get ticked off at what sin does to our family, what it does to our lives, what it does to things, and idolatry is a crazy sin because a lot of times we think it's just worshiping these idols, but there's things that get in our life that should make us mad instead of being satisfied because they're not doing as bad. I'm doing better than them. We're comparing to each other, but we're not comparing to the Word of God. What does God's Word say? It's all right. In Exodus 20, 2 and 4, this is God speaking. He spoke on the mount. matter of fact, when he was done with these words, the people said, next time you want God to talk to you, Mo, can you do it by yourself? Because this is scary. They were afraid. And, and Moses said that God was just testing you, putting the fear in you, so that when you have the fear of the Lord, you will walk up rightly, and you will obey these commandments, and you will do the truth. That's what he said. But this is the commandment that God said. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt in out of the land of slavery, slavery. Anybody happy God brought you out? Anybody grateful that God brought you out? Come on now. He took me out of darkness and put me in his marvelous light and it is so wonderful. He brought us out. Out of slavery, because anybody that lives in sin is a slave to a slave. No man can serve two masters. You'll be a slave to one or a slave to the other. And whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. Come on now. Hallelujah. Some people say, Brother Andrew, you're too free. I can't help it. That's what Jesus did. He set me free and I got a mind to go for him. I got a mind to run for him. I got a mind to be angry over sin. I got a mind to love people when they hate me. I got a mind to pray for them that persecute me and despitefully use me. I got a mind of Christ. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Come on now. Let this attitude, this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And God said this. You shall have no gods before me. You shall, make, you shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven and earth above or the earth beneath the water. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I'm the Lord your God, and I'm a jealous God. Now, God is not like some of these people I know. Some people are very jealous, you know. I, had one, I was at the store, and one time I was just walking to the store. This guy was like, what you looking at my wife for? I'm like, trust me, I'm not looking at her. She ain't that good looking. <laughs> but he is hindered by a jealousy. Jealousy in the, in the man sense, in the evil sense, is a wicked thing. It's a scared thing. It's a fearful thing because it's not being secure in who you are and who your loved one is. Look, my Bible says that the godly woman, his husband does safely trust in her. You know what that means? She ain't going to fail. Does that mean we we don't have battles? Man, we have some battles. Rock and roll. We have battles. But God is the victory every time. Amen. Because we love Christ. She loves Christ. I love Christ. But jealousy, God is not that kind of jealousy. The reason why God is a jealous God is because he created everything. He created all humans. That's why his first commandments is all about him. Don't you dare make anything like me. Don't you dare worship anything that's not like me. Don't you dare! That's what he said. Because he deserves all our worship. He deserves all our praise. He deserves all my affection. He deserves all your love and all your energy and all your strength. Amen. The first and the greatest commandment is this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. Love him. He deserves it. So he made these commandments. Hallelujah. He says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sins of the parents of the third and fourth generations. You sound like that sounds pretty cruel, don't it? But check out the, the verse 6. But showing love to the thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You might say, Brother Andrew, I'll never worship an idol. That's good. Praise God for that. But could there be idols in your heart anyway? Could there be? I like it. Colossians. Look across Colossians in that verse. Paul told the church of Colossia, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, your sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is what? Well, there's no statue there. There's no graven image there. There's no wood being sharpened and decorated there. What it is is wrong desires, wrong attitudes, wrong affections. Paul says, when you do these evil desires and greed, it becomes idolatry because you're putting your affections before the Lord. God help us. Amen. Look at John. I'm going to say this scripture in closing because this is a closing scripture. John wrote the, uh, the letter, 1 John, It's five chapters. And that book is so full of love. I think it says love in it about at least 20 or 30 times how God loves us. He is love. The love of God is shed abroad. God is love, love, love. But at the end of his letter, he has this small little exhortation. He said it's like basically in closing, I want to tell you something, because all the love and all the things that God has done for you, if you don't protect yourself, If you don't guard yourself, it could be of no avail. Why? He said, dear children, and this is a very affectionate statement. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Trust me, the Hebrew people in those days, they ain't worshiping no idol, guarantee you. And he wasn't planning on them worshiping idols, but he was worried about them and their affection their heart, their energy. Where was it going? He said, Dear children, in uh, uh, the uh, New Living Translation, it says this Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. If something is taking, you know, that's why you got to be careful. I told my son, my, I have one son, this guy was so good on those uh, video games. Y'all, your young people know about that. Where's Logan? He's good at knowing all this stuff. But he was so good at it that he went online that he would, he would be so good at it that he would play it so much that he would win points that he could sell his points for money. And I found out that not only was he so good at it, but he was taking his affection, his energy, and I mean, dude, We're always people. Let's let's go the river. Go, you know, go swimming, get tan, have fun. He's all pale and white because he's up all night. Come on, Joe. Come on, buddy. I'd like drug him down to the river, man. See what the fresh air looks like and breathe it. You're letting this become an idol. And I told him the reason why I don't do games. You want to play somebody to beat somebody in a game when it comes to technology? Play me, because you will win. If you have a down day, man, I'm tired of being a loser. Just call me up. I'll let you play me, and you'll beat me. And I told him the reason why I do not play those games, because I know that if I got caught in that, I would be like him in the dark. (laughs) Because I know that, God wants my affection. God wants my time. God wants me. And I'm not going to let anything, God help me, anything in this world, draw those things that God deserves, who's a jealous God, who deserves my love and deserves my affection. Amen. Hallelujah. I like where the Amplified Bible says this. That same verse, it says this, little children, and it's not on the PowerPoint, but it says little children, believers, dear ones, guard yourself from idols, false teaching, moral compromise, and anything that would take God's place in your heart. It's a militant term to keep. It's like setting up a garrison. It's like, uh-uh. Yeah, I like doing that. That's what one reason why I quit golfing, too. Not, number one reason, because I was not very good. And I had to practice a lot to stay not very good. It seemed like the more I practiced, the worse I got. You ever Anybody know that? You know, When you're out there, you don't play for a while, you're like, bam, I'm good, I'm going to practice. Practice, you come back, you are nasty. But that's one of the reasons why I don't do it. I mean, I could only do several things. I mean, I do like running, I like playing basketball, but you know, uh, you know, thank God, the Lord, you know, bless us with a church that has a basketball court, so we could do it. And I'm not really addicted to it or anything. My body won't let me because I'll get, I'll be like, oh my back, oh my knee, you know. So that's a good thing about getting old. You ain't gonna do too much. <coughs> Not not over, overdo it anyway. But God wants us to be careful. What's going in our heart? What's going in our eyes? What's going in our ears? God loves you so much with a extravagant love, a desperate love. And all he's asking, can you love me back? Can you give me your heart? Proverbs says, give me thy heart. Can you give me your heart, your life, your talents, your treasures? Because I've given you all of it. Because in you, in me, you live and move and have your very being. Let's not provoke God to jealousy. Let's make God where he looks down on Salem first, and he looks down in our personal lives and says, those people... Are honoring me they're worshiping me and they're trying to do the best they can amen let's stand i don't know how tobiah got back into the house should have never happened never happened but somewhere along the line our brother let down his integrity, thought about relationships, thought about things, wanted to restore, but he did it the wrong way, and he had to have that whole room cleaned out. Not only did they clean out the room, he kicked his, his person out, but he purified it and said, let's bring the stuff back. Sometimes we have to take a good look at all of ourselves. doesn't matter if you're an elder, Doesn't matter if you're a preacher, doesn't matter if you're on the board, you're a delegate, doesn't matter if you're a teacher, doesn't matter who you are, sometimes we have to look within our heart and say, God, am I pleasing you with all the things? Do I I need to hold on to some of these things that when you're crying out to me saying, I, I want to be with you and fellowship with you and unite with you? Father God, I just praise you, Lord. Let's everybody lift our hands right now. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Father God, we just lift our hands. This is a sign of surrender, Father. God, I pray that you will help us to surrender our lives to you. And just say, Lord, take your lamp of the word and just shine it on any area of our heart that needs to be calmed down or needs to be taken away or even relationships, whatever it might be that is an idol to us, an idol to you, Father. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our lives so that we can live freely and holy for you. I ask this in the name of Jesus, and everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. Go in peace.